0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to help us in our fight against addiction, go to www.patreon.com theaddictionpodcast the addiction podcast 273. That's www. Patreon.com slash the addiction podcast 273 and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. Hello, and welcome to the addiction podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the host for the podcast, and my husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast. If you would be so kind as to give us a five-star rating when you subscribe to our podcast, then when people are Googling and they're looking for podcasts about addiction, they find us and they listen to us and we give them messages of help and hope. Also, if you could please subscribe to our YouTube channel and, um, yep, ring the bell so you're notified and give us a thumbs up on our videos, that would also be helpful. Um, Today's episode is episode number 357, 358, sorry. Oh, and before I say that, um, we have a Patreon channel now, and some of you have been so kind as to pay us a very small monthly subscription, which we appreciate very much because we don't get paid to do this. We do have Newman Interventions as a sponsor, but we really do this Um from the goodness in our hearts because we don't want um, any more people to die from addiction and we don't want parents to lose children. So if you'd support us on Patreon, that would be great. The link is in the show notes. The link shows up on the video when you watch it. So that would be helpful. So today we have an interview. As I said, it's episode number 358. We are very close to the end of our seventh year of podcasting. Very excited to continue to do this and to continue to offer hope and help to people. So today we have an interview with a gentleman, and I'm going to apologize to him in advance because I'm sure I'm going to butcher his last name, but his name is Misha Sveganzov with a lot of consonants in there. And he's a man who got sober off of alcohol and drugs when he was 17 years old. In 1986, while living in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, a judge gave him the choice of either going to jail for six months or going to treatment. He chose treatment and has maintained maintained straight-line sobriety ever since, which is now 37 years clean and sober, which is awe-inspiring. He's known tremendous success, incredible failure, and heartbreak over the years, but he's stayed sober through it all. Now in 2024, at the age of 54, he has tons of stories, strategies, and tactics related to sobriety that he looks forward to sharing. I'm excited to talk to him because I know that staying clean and sober is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And I always think and if there's anything that he can share with us that will help you or someone you know, that that's a good thing. So without further ado, let's talk to Misha Sveganzov. Misha, I'm not going to try and say your last name again, because I think I butchered it in your intro, but thank you for being on the podcast today. And how do you say your last name?
1: Uh, thank you for having me first, uh, Joni, but it's Zvegensauf. Uh It's just like it's spelled. I tell people that and they don't believe me.
0: I think I said Zveggensoff, so Perfect. I was close. I, I, was a little, I was close, but yeah, it just has a lot of extra consonants in there, consonants oh.
1: in there. I know, right? It's crazy. There's literally, I think there's, it's for 10 letters, there's two O, I mean, there's two Zs, two Vs. It's ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Anyway, thank you for talking to us today. And, um... Take us back to like the beginning. I know that you um, actually obtained sobriety in your teens and it, and you've been sober for a while. But take us back before that. Like what was your life like and what got you into drugs and alcohol in the first place?
1: Boy, that's such a great question. You know, um, I grew up with uh, my, my mother was a raging alcoholic. God bless her. Um, we did ultimately get to make amends and I got to be there holding her hand. Uh, when she passed it was a beautiful experience but um she was a blackout drunk literal blackout literal blackout drunk um every night um it when i was six seven eight years old you know i would my memories are you know she would pass out at the kitchen table and uh i'd bring her to bed and then I'd, I'd like hold her wrist to feel her pulse, right? Like, mm-hmm. is she alive? Is she dead? Like, what, like, really what's going on here, you know? And um, and just already starting to have that disconnect and, and that I'll never be like this because you start relating that behavior to alcohol, right? And um, I was like, yeah, I'll never be like this. And then my father at the same time was a pretty bad alcoholic and he liked to do some some drugs too both of them died sober by the way so not only did they lay the foundation for my alcohol and drug abuse they both laid the foundation for my recovery so uh, all this i say with an open heart and uh i feel blessed for my parents there was a time i did not feel that way though um but a mom would disappear for years at a time literally disappear for years at a time and um one time, uh, after we were both sober and I was taken to her to the hospital for some of the things she was going through, um, you know, she told me, um, she said, Hey, look, Misha, you know, um, and this was sort of her way of making amends to me. She said, Uh, she said, Hey, Misha, um, you know, I would dear- disappear for years at a time, but the demons, were telling me to kill you and your brother, mm. right? And you know how we will see in the news how a mother will drive into the lake with their kids or a mom will drown the kids or just these things are that are mind-boggling. And especially when you see the picture of that parent and they seem normal-looking, yes? Yep. Yep, and so... I knew she was telling me the truth in that moment and I had a new uh, appreciation for how um she would leave instead of do more physical abuse, shall yeah. we say? Yeah. Okay. So so um you know, I just grew up in this middle class mayhem alcohol that alcoholic lifestyle, middle class alcoholic parents, and I you know, I swore I'd never be an alcoholic. Um, 'cause cuz i saw what did to the family of course mom disappeared like i said and my father was very overbearing and just a single dad and
0: brothers and sisters
1: one brother okay yep
0: younger right older
1: older okay. 3 years okay. older and okay. uh normie like full on normie okay <laughs> like okay. i don't know i don't know how he <laughs> evaded the actually this is literally what he said to me and he said it a few times he said look i saw what alcohol did the our parents, I saw what alcohol did to you. He said I got drunk once and threw up and knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. Normal reaction. It's yeah. what a normal person does, right? But anyway, I I I I in my youth was already having existential crises at a young age. What's the meaning of life? What's the universe? What's infinity? This God thing. I was, you know, looking, searching. My parents were um, both you can almost say pagan, right? Like I grew up with no spiritual direction. Um, And so I had a spiritual disconnect at a young age, had no solution, grew up in a family that was modeling addictive, alcoholic behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, I'm not sure if I answered the question or I gave you a very long answer to your question. No,
0: you did. You answered me. So how old were you when you started drinking yourself?
1: Yeah, another great question. So,
0: Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to help us in our fight against addiction, go to www.patreon.com slash theaddictionpodcast273. That's www.patreon.com slash The Addiction Podcast 273 and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us.
1: You know, I growing up in an alcoholic family, for anybody who's listening, um, if you grow up in a family where there's a lot of drinking going on, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to drink, right? And so my experience with alcohol was, you know, it was available to me through family functions or we'd go camping. I grew up in Wyoming. And so my father, you know, the, the Jack Daniels would get passed around the fi- the campfire or the Coors, the Coors, right? We were drinking uh, Coors back in the day. But my experience was, was like this, that, uh, you know, so... My earliest memories of alcohol were that if you put me in a situation where there was alcohol to drink, I would drink it until I either passed out, there was no more alcohol to be consumed, or you pulled me away, mm. right? But in my youth, I wasn't questing for alcohol, right? So say from 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and those formative years, If I ended up in a situation where there was alcohol to be had, I would drink excessively, but I wasn't on the hunt for it. And then it was like I hit puberty when I turned 14, my hair turned curly, and then the rest of that alcoholic gene kicked in where I was like, I need to have it, Mm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And this is my journey as well. So I went from, you know, never going to do it to hitting puberty on the hunt for alcohol and drinking alcoholically too. So I would have that first drink for anybody listening. If you're wondering, well, what's it mean to be an alcoholic? Some people think that it's, you know, you, you have that obsession for the first drink. And then when you take that first drink, all bets are off and you can't control your intake from there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I hit 14 and I, that alcoholic gene kicked in coincidentally my father got sober so it was like he got sober and handed me the alcoholic torch mm. <laughs> right and so um but so i went from i'll never drink to drinking i'll never smoke pot of course i started smoking pot i'll never do coke well it, it went basically drinking throw in pot and I'll never do mushrooms. Of course, I started do mushrooms. I'll never do psychedelics or you know acid. Blah blah blah. Then I was like, I'll never do coke, and I started doing that. And wow. boy, it escalated for me. From go ahead.
0: No, no I was just going to say zero to sixty because you your bio said that you got clean and sober at seventeen. So we're talking three years, and you went from zero to sixty in terms of alcohol up to drug use. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the you know, people talk about with alcohol and drugs, you know, alcoholics and addicts that are, are in recovery, they'll talk about or who have quit. They often say, you know, it went from being fun to fun with problems to just problems. Right. And for me, that was <laughs> that timeline happened real quick. And, you know, my father, my mother had tried to get sober when I was nine or 10. So I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous Then it did not take for her at that point. But like I said, she did die sober. So did my father. But so I was introduced or the foundation of of Alcoholics Anonymous or recovery was laid for me.
0: You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or You can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate you listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to help us in our fight against addiction, Go to www.patreon.com slash theaddictionpodcast273. That's www.patreon.com slash theaddictionpodcast273. And make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us.
1: Right, and so when I started paying problems with for my alcohol and drug addiction, I was constantly trying to control it, to try to prove I wasn't an alcoholic, to try to prove I wasn't an addict, right? And and it just that people talk about alcoholic alcohol and, and alcoholism and addiction as being a progressive disease. And so yeah, it was progressive, but as we said super quick, but you know, my father had gotten sober, and so he was constantly giving me gentle or not so gentle reminders. You're probably an alcoholic. You you know, our your grandparents died of alcoholism. Look what it's done to your mom, look what it did to me. And I'd go, Yeah, you're right. But I again I had no solution at that point, mm. uh, up until 17, right? Um
0: Also when you're a teenager, I mean you're invincible. It's not gonna
1: happen. Absolutely. To you. You're
0: not an addict, you're not an alcoholic, you're, you're invincible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, when I was 16, um, this is where I knew things were going sideways and um, I was a very sensitive kid. A very sensitive kid. And um, I did not like my emotions. Right? Like, and, and my parents didn't know how to handle me, for sure. My brother, very stable, normal kid. Right? I come into the fold and I'm emotional and sensitive and i'll cry at the heartbeat and and just just all these things and 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 so i growing up in that environment was like i don't want to feel these emotions hmm. i do not like it subconsciously right so i don't wasn't like i don't want to feel this way so i'm going to drink and do drugs subconsciously i did not like those emotions that i was feeling and so um I was on the quest to shut that down when I was 16 years old. I had a girlfriend. We'd been dating for a couple of weeks. Um, she died in a drunk driving accident. I was not the one driving at the time, but I did end up at the hospital. I just coincidentally was sober that day, but like I was the one calling the parents saying, you know, your son's in a coma. Like you need to get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, Uh, The girl who was in the car, my girlfriend at the time, you know, she passed away like you need to get here. And um, I remember I had the emotional disconnect
0: Hmm.
1: and I was like super happy on one point that I was not emotionally affected, but I literally had that moment of clarity of this is bad. Like my emotions, I have, I do not feel emotions anymore. If... (laughs) that makes sense or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that was a big turning point for me. And then around that time, my brother, I was probably young, 17, my brother goes, hey, you seem depressed. And I don't know if you've ever heard the, um, the saying, the alcoholic life seems the only normal one. Right? Like when we're in... So when you're in that alcoholic or that addict state and there's mayhem and people are dying, perhaps, right? I mean, I know plenty of so uh, of alcoholic mothers who were, you know, driving their kids drunk to school, or mm-hmm. if I'm saying that right. So there doesn't have to be death, but there can be like, that's a heavy place to be. I've seen moms that are like, I, I can't believe I was in that place. But, but anyway, you know, you know, I'm, you know, police chases, all this stuff. Right. And it's like, that seems normal. Mm. And my brother said to me, you seem depressed. And I was like, another disassociative moment of, um, wait a minute, like this, this is not good. Like I'm not, I'm not in a good place but I think it's normal. Does that make sense? hmm Yeah. And so I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, fast forward, I'm trying to quit all the time. I'm failing constantly with the, the with, with, you know, the drinking and the drugging and, and, and getting in more trouble. And, and basically what happened the last day of high school, I, I committed another little crime and, and, uh, um, you know, the judge had to me, judge, judge rank. I'd graduated judges too, right? I went from judge horn to judge rank. <laughs> judge horn was the, was the probation judge. Go ahead. Where
0: was this? Where this was you? in Jackson, Wyoming. Jackson, Wyoming. Okay.
1: Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah. So, uh, judge rank was the, uh, let's call him the hanging judge. Right. Mm-hmm. So judge horn was like, you get promotion one year or probation one year, two year, three year probation. And, you know, judge rank said, Hey man, like you can, you can go to jail for six months or you can um, go to treatment. And uh, in that moment, again, for whatever reason, I, the vision of my life continuing to drink and drug unfolded. I mean, I saw it. It's like I knew no good was going to come of it. I had that moment of clarity. And I also knew intuitively it was like you can throw me in jail. And I will find the alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. Throw me in jail, right? You can send me to Alaska. You can send me to the tundra. It does not matter. Like my only choice right now is to get clean and sober. And by the grace of God, last day of high school, instead of going to jail, I jumped on a plane to a treatment center, and I haven't had a drink or a, dr- a drug since. So thirty-seven wow. years. Yeah, wow. one day at a time.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's that's really well done. And and. I think in some ways kind of amazing that you did it at 17 because it seems like most of the people that we have interviewed, they, you know, carry on with their addiction much longer uh, into their twenties and thirties and sometimes even beyond before they have that moment of clarity and get clean and sober. So well done you for doing it as young as you were and staying that way.
1: Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, I think. It's so interesting in, in, you know, in the recovery community, our stories are what are so powerful and what ultimately help people, right? And and also, you know, providing uh, a model of accountability and things like that. But I definitely believe my story these days is one to be like, hey, you can have these problems when you're 17 and you can stop and have a magical life. Right, Like I've, I've had a magical life, Life lifey people talk about life on life terms or life gets lifey, but I've been married and divorced, you know, it didn't, getting sober didn't save my parents from dying. Right. Like, like you, you you know, you riches failure, you know, more money than I knew what to do with and as well as (laughs) divorce and (laughs) financial ruin, you know, but.
0: So you're not married now.
1: I am not married now. No, no, no. Do you have
0: children at all?
1: I do yep, okay. I have two boys who are uh twenty and twenty two as as we record this, yep okay. and yep, and I'm good friends with uh with Don, who is the boy's mom, so okay. although we got divorced uh ten or fifteen years ago we're we're good friends but but go on oh, we,
0: fair enough, but um, I did have a comment oh, when did your mom get sober
1: mm yeah, so when did my mom get sober? She got sober, um she probably got sober, uh, she had a, uh, basically a 30, a 30, uh, year run of sobriety finally. Mm-hmm. So she passed away when she was 70. So she got sober when she was 40 ish. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, me, so sorry, I'm just seeing a little text message. I'll, I'll, answer on my mom but so my mom had 15 years sober I can't remember what the catalyst for her getting sober was just who knows maybe it was seeing me seeing my dad treatment again whatever I had disconnected from my mother for a bit at that point I was like uh you know we get codependent and I was like my mother and I's relationship is not healthy like she's drinking and abusively like as a recovered alcoholic why in the heck would I put myself in that environment
0: yeah
1: right Um, but, uh, somewhere along the lines, 15 years, uh, she had a little bit of a relapse, but got sober again. And, and, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, so me, it's been 37 years. So I'm 55 as, as we record this, I got sober when I was, uh, when I was uh, 17 and I had actually, I forgot to say it just started, I would shot drugs for the first time too, oh. so I I had gone from I'll never drink to all up the path. Yeah, so go ahead with
0: you. Re- you um, remind me of a gentleman that we we talked to, whose uh, parents had been drug addicts, and so he had sworn off it. He was a rock star, and I mean literally a rock star, and. But then when he finally decided to try or got into doing drugs, he went from zero to 60 and most of his friends didn't want to party with him because he partied too hard. So you just, you made me think of him because you, you sort of went from zero to 60 alcohol to shooting up in a short period of time. How, what kind of treatment program did you do Misha?
1: Yes. Yeah, no, great question. So I went to, uh, what was called the, uh, I went to Hazelden. This was in 1986. Um, uh, so nineteen eighty six I went to what was called the hazelden pioneer house, which was uh hazelden official was for the adults and they had the pioneer house for um for uh you know twenty one and under or something like that um yeah, so I went there and, and how then, long were you there? Uh, I was there for twenty nine days or something like that, so okay. I went to treatment um and they gave you the foundation for you know, uh, 12 step recovery programs, like Alcoholics Anonymous, stuff like that. So I started, I got my start on the steps. If you've heard about that, the steps, um, I think, you know, I'll say this, right? So I know people that got sober when I did that relapsed. Um, I know people that have been sober for many, many years, and then relapsed. I know people they got sober when they were young and they were like, "Oh, maybe it was just a phase." Right? Um or you'll hear these kinds of things, right? Or or I can drink now or whatever and I've never seen it end well. And mm. what 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 the theory is is that your alcoholism and or your addict or or addiction is like doing push-ups in the in the background, right? And so if you've had any experience with an alcoholic or an addict, um, you'll see that typically the problem gets worse, right? It's, it's never a flat line, right? Like when someone's an alcoholic or an addict, typically the problem gets worse. And usually they start paying bigger, bigger emotional price, spiritual price, physical price, law, the price with the law, right? Like the, the, the ramifications get worse and worse and worse. And so, uh, you know, you drink more and more and more. You do more and more drugs. And, and what happens when you quit, the theory is that, so like I quit when I was 17. If I'd have kept drinking until now, like imagine how bad my problem would be, right? So the theory is that even though I quit, the, the disease is progressing in the background, right? So you'll see people that have quit for decades, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they start again and it's like they never stopped. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for me, um, I've, I've been blessed to know that it will never get better. I, I, the, the insanity of <laughs> alcohol and drugs for those of us that have that problem, um, is still embedded so strongly in my mind that, like, now if you said, "Hey, Misha, why not just have a drink?" But it's like the, the risk reward is so—it's not worth it. It's so out of balance, and it would be like if olives caused me this much problem in my life, and you I quit olives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So, so I am in that state of neutrality. I am very active in the recovery communities so I go to recovery meetings you know three or four times a week I mentor or sponsor uh people you know at any particular point I've got one two three or four guys that are calling me at any time that I'm mentoring them and helping them get clean and sober or you know live according to the 12 steps or these things like that I I volunteer at a place called the first step house north county in uh in carlsbad california i live in encinitas california and there's a 10-day spin dry recovery house that um that uh that we volunteer at so for one week every three months a group of us volunteers will take over the house volunteer you know guys come in off the streets we help them get clean and sober stuff like that um that's great so yeah, yeah. So I'm still very active. I have a big passion for the recovery community. I'm constantly thinking, how can I serve? How can I give? You know, um, we which... find
0: that true with a lot of people in recovery because they they want to give back. You're, yeah, you want to give back, so which is great. Now you've got a real setup there. Do you have your own podcast?
1: I do. It's oh. called the Table. Yeah.
0: Okay. What's it called? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, the Table Rush Talk Show. The Table, table Rush Talk Show. Is it about so, recovery?
0: Yeah,
1: it is not about recovery. Okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, it's about entrepreneurial stuff. So, you okay. know, when um, like Tony Robbins sells from stage or does his big presentation and at the end he offers his whatever program or something like that, everybody gets up and runs to the back of the room. They go the Table Rush.
0: Yeah. Oh, so, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, Fair yeah, enough.
1: I teach people on entrepreneurial entrepreneurial stuff. And so I love entrepreneuring. I love business. I love all that kind of stuff. So I'm super active in that arena. And obviously you have my podcast set up and all the toys. Yeah, I can and tell all your that. green
0: screen is there. You can't see my green yeah. screen, but I have one too. <laughs> Misha, thank you for talking to us today. If you had one message to give to our listeners um, about addiction and recovery, some message to inspire them, what would that be?
1: yeah you know I think that anybody that's in the in the you know addiction spiral um my message would be uh that um that there's magic on the other side that you can't comprehend, so uh take the risk and and try and live life clean and sober for a little bit.
0: I think that's great, Misha, thank you for talking to us today. I appreciate you doing that
1: indeed, thank you so much for having me, Joni.
0: Thank you for listening today. We will be back again next week with another interview. And if you need help, please reach out. We've got Bobby Newman. You can hear his ad and his phone number earlier on in the podcast. There are resources for you and you can always reach out to us if nothing else. So we'll be back again with another interview next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast point of no return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.